Psalm 115. Are you there? Say amen. amen. All right. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. For he is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the Lord. Psalm 115, this is a section of Psalms, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 is a group of Psalms that are broken down and they are uh, specifically called the Hallel Psalms, which is where we get our word hallelujah, the Hallel Psalms. This is in the middle of those and these were quoted at the Feast of Passover. And this Psalm specifically Uh, Basically, there's a a general theme of this psalm, and this psalm is the difference between worshiping the true and the living God and worshiping idols. Gives us the difference of worshiping the two. Of course, this whole middle section of this psalm talks about the heathen and how they worship idols and how they can worship till they're blue in the face and they ain't going to get anything from them. But he talks about how much, how wonderful the Lord is, how he will remember us and he will always be there for us and bless us. This, this actual Psalm, if you look in, in history and also in, when you study it out, it's actually written after uh, the, the epic battle that happened in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, many of you, I, I've actually preached about that here recently in the church, but very briefly for those that may not remember it or may, uh, may, may not come to your memory, but 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is a famous passage of scripture, a famous battle that occurred. You all remember, again, I'll try to go over it very briefly, but king, the king at that time was King Jehoshaphat. And the Ammonites and the Moabites were coming against the children of Judah. And so the Bible says that the, the, they were basically outnumbered. They were outmanned. There was no way that they were going to win this battle. And so what Jehoshaphat did is he called for a fast in the entire nation, in the entire country. From the smallest to the greatest, from the, from the youngest to the oldest rather, they were fasting and turning to God and making sure that they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And in the middle of this fast, there was a prophet by the name of Jehaziel that stood up and he said, I have, I have gotten a word from the Lord. And this word is simply this, you are not gonna have to lift a finger. God is gonna fight this battle for you 
<laughs> In fact, all you have to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Those were words they were familiar with, right? They heard those words a long time ago. Their forefathers did back at the Red Sea when Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. They, after they fasted, after they prayed, they woke up in the morning and the Bible says that the king put the praise team in front of the battle. And as they were marching to the battle, they marched into the battle praising God. And when they got there, they found that the enemy had already been defeated. They collected of the spoils and they took home a lot more than what they went in with. Amen. That's good preaching right there. So this was written after the fact that this battle had been won by God. Now notice, notice, so many times whenever people have great victories, they want to take credit that they were the reason for their victory. But notice what they said in verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. They understood that he was responsible for this great battle. But then the psalmist also wanted to warn them because the children of Israel had a terrible habit. They, they, they would worship God. They would turn back to God. But then soon they would forget about what God had done for them. They weren't appreciative of what God had done for them. And they'd fall back into idolatry. And so the psalmist was warning them, listen, just like the heathen, you're prone to go back to idolatry. So he wanted them to make sure that they gave God the glory that he deserved. And so the Psalm 115 shows us that after a great victory, sometimes we can forget and fail to remember what God has done for us and we can quickly go back into idolatry. And remember, the root of idolatry is always when you fail to trust in the Lord. I'll bring this up again later, but idolatry is not only worshiping false gods, but idolatry is worshiping God falsely. And so we have here this psalm, and, and I want to go through it very quickly tonight and, and, and divide it down into the sections that God has shown me, and hopefully we'll get something out of it. Number one, I want you to notice verses one through three show us the appreciation the appreciation. He wanted them to make sure the psalmist did that the object of the praise and the object of the victory of their battle belonged in the name of the Lord. And aren't you glad tonight for the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. We worship who he is and who he is is in his name. There is nothing like the name of Jesus. He wanted them to make sure that they understood that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. He was responsible for the victory. He was the one that fought their battle. He was the one that gave them what they had. And I want to remind you, I know you're reminded of it almost every service, but may I remind you one more time, everything that you have, everything that you hope to be, and everything that you are, it all comes from the hand of God. And we should show him our appreciation. It really bugs me to death that it seems like this week everyone starts to focus all of a sudden on appreciating what God has done for them. But may I remind you, Thanksgiving is not just a date on the calendar on the, thir on the fourth Thursday of November. No, it should be every day of our life. Thanksgiving, thankful to God for what he has done. For without him, without his name, we would be nothing. Amen. And if you don't understand his name and what his name does for you, he will show you what his name is. Remember when Moses went to Pharaoh 
And he said, let, God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, who, who, who said that? God said, just tell him I am that I am. Pharaoh didn't know who he was. He didn't know in his name, but he found out after 10 plagues exactly who God was. So God showed him who he was. And if you have a problem knowing the name of Jesus, thank God I'm glad he can show us his name. He shows us his name when we wake up in the morning. He shows us his name when we come to Christ and ask him into our heart. He shows us his name just by taking a breath. Aren't you thankful over the name of Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his word. It sounds like music to my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Oh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him below. Hallelujah, I love him. Don't you love him tonight? Aren't you thankful? for the name of Jesus. Amen. What other name could you name that can do what he's done for you? Nobody. That's what he was saying. He said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And then the name of Jesus is going to be mentioned more in these next few weeks than any throughout the year. And may we remember, may we remember it's not just some name given to call a young boy or call a young child. No, it was the name that was given to Mary by God himself. Why? Because his name, his name means salvation. His name, there's no other name given among men whereby he must be saved than the name of Jesus. Never forget, it's all about Jesus. Everything you do over these next few weeks, make sure it's all about Jesus. Amen. Everything you give, make sure it's in his name. Everything you do, Little children, you're going to be up here on the 11th of December, and we're going to come and we're going to just sit back and smile. But listen, everything you do, do it for Jesus. Amen. Choir, we're going to get up here on the 18th. Let's do our best to make it about Jesus. The 25th, yeah, we're having church on Christmas. Two times, in fact. And on Sunday evening, we're going to have a Christmas play. And guess what it's called? The Christmas play. <laughs> But guess what it's going to be about? Jesus. Jesus. We're going to have opportunity after opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Don't miss it because it may be the last time we can tell somebody about Jesus. Well, i got to hurry on. Verses 1 through 3 show us the appreciation. But notice, secondly, verses 4 through 8 show us an appraisal. An appraisal. You say, Brian, what do you mean by appraisal? I mean, before you really understand and know how to praise God, you have to do an appraisal. Some of you may know what an appraisal is. How many of you ever sold a home or bought a home? And you, and you ever, <laughs> Bub knows what I'm talking about. He's smiling back there. That's what he does for a living. When you're in real estate, when you're selling a home, you got to get an appraisal. Not, and then an inspection, my wife, before we moved to McDermott, she, we lived in Hillsboro and she worked for an appraisal company. So that was one of her main jobs was to pull, pull sheets and pull numbers from other homes and from other areas there in Hillsboro. You say, what does an appraisal do? An appraisal basically is an assessment of how much your property is worth. Some of you may have been living in a place for 30 and 40 years 
Can I remind you what you paid for it back 30, 40 years ago is not what it's worth now. In fact, it's worth probably a lot more. But you never know that until you do an appraisal. And some of you are way behind on getting an appraisal when it comes to what God's done for you. I know some of you, he saved you 30, 40, 50 years ago, but some of you need to understand he should be worth a lot more to you today than he was 30 or 40 years ago. And the only way you're gonna do that is if you do an appraisal. That's what he was telling them. He, he was telling them, listen, in verses four, four through eight, he was telling them about all these idols that couldn't talk, they couldn't speak, they couldn't do nothing for you, they couldn't walk, they couldn't use their hands, and yet people were bowing down to him and worshiping him. He was telling them, do an appraisal. What has the world done for you? Let me ask you one more time. What has the world done for you? What has not serving God done for you? The only thing it's given you is heartache. The only thing it's given you is sleepless nights. But thank God, may I remind you, whoo, what have you got that God hasn't given you? <laughs> where have you been where God hasn't taken you? What do you know that God hasn't taught you? Amen, it's time for us to do an appraisal, glory to God. How much does God mean to you? And sometimes you'll find out the reason why your property is worth more than, it, than, than you think it is is because of who it's surrounded by. If your property is beside an old rundown shack that's about ready to fall in, it's worth a lot less than if you had a mansion living beside you. So, is this thing on? What I'm trying to tell you is this. You're worth a lot more if you hang out with people that's worth a lot to Jesus too. <laughs> You'll find yourself, your life will be worth a lot more if you hang around people that know Jesus and have them in their life. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah, if, if you go and read Isaiah chapter 46, there's a story there of, of, of how the children of Israel had idols and they, they had fallen over, it says, and they'd broken. They put them on a cart and would, would pull them out of the city. They were pulling them away. They wanted to save those idols because they thought that actually could, they could do something for them. Can you imagine that? And we look at them, I would never, ever do that. Well, let me remind you, anything you put in front of God is an idol. Regardless of what it is. It's an idol because thou shalt have no other gods before me. And any time you invest and any time you do anything and put anything above God, God is a jealous God. And that's why he should always be first place in our life. Amen. When you go looking for a God, don't look for a God that you got to carry. Look for a God that's going to carry you. <laughs> I read this this week and I had to write it down. I wish I would have thought of it because it's, it's really neat. But this week, when you pause to think, you should have cause to thank. So when you do an appraisal this week and you're sitting around with your family or you're just reflecting on what God has done for you, when you pause to think, you should have cause to thank. 
I know some of you, it's going to be hard because it'll be holidays without family members for the first time. But when you cause to think, you should pause to think. Why? Why? Because knowing that God is taking care of you and they're waiting on us on the other side. He's worthy of praise. And remember, when you do an appraisal, when you start looking around at what God has done for you, remember, after everything that he's done, you can always say, he did that. Because when you, when, you, when you really narrow it all down and you start to go and take a personal inventory, the bed you're sleeping in, he did that. The car that he gave you, he, he did that. The job that he gave you, he did that. Oh, you said, Brian, I, I filled out a resume. I, I went online and started, I went to indeed.com and started looking for application. No, 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 he did that. He's responsible, amen. Amen, the food you're eating, he did that. The church he gave you, he did that. The breath he gives you, he did that. When you do an appraisal, remember, it's all from him. It's all because of him. And if we start worshiping anything but God, do you know idol worship is contagious too? And if we don't, if we don't watch, we'll, we'll, we'll take for granted what God has blessed us with. And sometimes we fully don't appreciate what he's done. We don't, we don't, because we're spoiled. We're spoiled, we really are. I don't know how many of you have seen it. It's, it's, it's kind of been world news here the last 10 or 12 days. But over in Mongolia, China, there's a, a flock of sheep that are just walking in circles. They're just walking in a circle. They're trying to figure out why. Some veterinarians and some scientists believe they have a disease that's causing them to just roam around aimlessly. In a, I'm telling you, it's a perfect circle. But what is confusing them is they've been walking 12, 13, 14 straight days without stopping. And most of them think that they don't have a disease because this type of disease, it's almost like an encephalitis for a human and and within one to two days they would die. You say, Brian, why would you say that? Because what, what, they have video of it, you can go and watch it. It started off with just two or three sheep. And one, they started walking in the one direction. And before you know it, the others didn't know what was going on, but they just joined right in with them. And now they're walking aimlessly in a circle going nowhere. And if you don't watch, if you take for granted what God has done for you, and you don't assess and appraise what he's done for you, you're going to be like those sheep and walk around aimlessly and end up going nowhere. Do an appraisal. Show appreciation. I got to move on. Verses 9 through 11, I'll just tell you what the point is. It's, it's an appeal. He, he tells them, you know, above all, Israel, house of Aaron, and everybody else, you that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and their shield. Verses 12 through 15 show us the application. 
He says, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more. You and your children, you are blessed of the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. What is he saying there? He said, when you trust in the Lord, always remember this, that the Lord will remember you. He said, the Lord is mindful of us. Why will the Lord remember us? Because he made a covenant a long time ago with God's people that he would never, ever forget them. Remember when he told Joshua, I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. He told the same thing to Moses. He told it to Joshua and he tells it to you today. His promises are sure and amen. Hallelujah. He will not fail thee. He will not forsake thee. And he will remember you when you think you're isolated, when you think you're alone and that nobody cares, remember, God will remember you. He is mindful of us. The application, the appeal, the appreciation, the appraisal. And finally, notice 16 through 18 is the applause. He says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the Lord. The psalmist, again, starts the way, excuse me, ends the way he starts. He wanted to make sure that the people of God understood where the praise should be directed and that was to the Lord that made the heavens and the earth. But he also wanted them to make sure that their praise was continual. He says, because we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise ye the Lord. This psalm ends with with an eternal applause. They never stop praising the Lord. He wants them to praise the Lord forevermore. From this time forth, an eternal round of applause forevermore. But notice the way he ends it. He says, praise ye the Lord. This psalm, that word praise ye the Lord, those words rather, is actually one Hebrew word, which means hallelujah. Interesting study, and I'm sure you know this. But you know the last, the last time that the word hallelujah is mentioned in the Old Testament, praise ye the Lord, is in Psalm 150. The psalm, psalms end with hallelujah. Do you know that you'll never read or hear a hallelujah ever again? The next time you'll hear a hallelujah is when you get to heaven. Seriously, there's no hallelujah in Isaiah. There's no hallelujah in Jeremiah, no hallelujah in Malachi. There's no hallelujah in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Thessalonians, Philemon, Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, no hallelujah. There's not even a hallelujah in Revelation 1 through 18. But the next time you read of a hallelujah, let, let, let me read it to you. See, the Psalms end with an eternal round of applause. And it ends with a hallelujah. But the next time they'll say hallelujah is when I get there. You say, really? Yeah. Let me read it to you. Chapter 19 of Revelation, it says, 
And after these things, what are these things? Chapters 1 through 18. I heard a great voice of much people in heaven (laughs) saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. So the, the psalmist said, we will bless the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hallelujah. He meant it. Even though there's been years and years of silence, thank God from the word, thank God we're going to pick it up again whenever we enter to the gates of the city. John said, I saw a number which no man could number. Guess who's in that number? It's me. It's you. And when we gather there, we'll all cry with a voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And why is it it hallelujah? Why couldn't it be praise the Lord? Why couldn't it be glory to God? Why does it have to be hallelujah? Don't you know they're going to come from every tribe and every nation, every kindred and every tongue. And I know you know this, but hallelujah is the same in any language. It don't matter if you're from Nigeria, from China, from Asia, from Europe, from Canada, from Kentucky or West Virginia. It don't matter. When we get to heaven, all of us are going to say hallelujah. Amen. The psalmist said, we will bless the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And forever we will say, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Go ahead and say it, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to say hallelujah with Roger again. This time he won't have to worry about being hooked up to Oxygen to do it. I just finished a couple weeks ago was at revival at Beach Fork where I grew up. And, and please don't, don't take this the wrong way. I love going back where I was raised, where I was called to preach and sanctified to the will of God. I love going back there, be with a lot of my family. But I also don't like to go back. Because when I go back, I see a lot of empty seats that were once filled. And one right there where Paul sits at Beach Fork. It's, it's filled with my cousin, but my papaw sat there. And so ever since that revival, I've been kind of a little, just a little down because I'm missing. And there's days when I miss him more than others. Especially this time of year because he loved for us to get together on holidays. Even though he'd just sit in his recliner <laughs> and just watch us and sing his stupid songs. But he, he loved for us to get together. I can't wait to see him again. And I guarantee we'll just pick up right where we left off. <laughs> you said, what did he do? Brian, what did he do before he left this world? You want me to tell you what he did? He was at church. Went Sunday morning. He, he had a desire to go back to church. He went Sunday morning, Sunday night. He felt so good. He worshiped God. He praised God. Said glory to God. Probably did a whoop. That's what he did. That's where I get it from. He went home, sat in his recliner, took a breath, and went to heaven. Next time I see him, I'll grab him by the arm. I'll say, Papa, let's do this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my question to you is, years ago, Jacob Berry, our friend Jacob Berry, preached a powerful message. 
did John see you? And that, that whole message was basically about the number that no man can number in the revelation, how John saw that number. And he said, did John see you in that number? That's my question to you tonight. In that prophecy in Revelation, did John see you prophetically in that number? Are you, were you there in heaven worshiping and praising God? If you know him as your savior tonight, you, you, were, you are there. But if you don't know him, I, I, I want you to please, please do an appraisal. Do a personal inventory. What has Satan done for you? Nothing compared to what God can do for you just like that.